Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. If you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today, my guests are co-host and media consultant of the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Hey, John. I'm doing just well today. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We also have circulation director of the Cincinnati Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? Hello, John. It's always good to see you this evening. <laughs> good, good. And our special guest, Kizela Fambro, who is the manager of the upcoming Center for Closing the Health Gap Health Expo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. So before we talk about the upcoming Center for Closing the Health Gap Health Expo, let's talk about some news topics. And our first topic of the day is the death of Marjorie Parham. Mrs. Marjorie Parham, publisher emerita of the Cincinnati Herald and widow of founder Gerald Porter, passed peacefully in her sleep on Wednesday, April 14th. She was 103 years old. In 1954, Mrs. Parham married Gerald Porter and he founded the Cincinnati Herald, a weekly African-American newspaper in 1955. The company opened a Dayton office and Mrs. Parham began running that office in 1961. In 1963, Gerald Porter was in a car accident. He was taken to one hospital, which refused to treat him because he was black, as stated to her by one of the nurses. Mr. Porter then was transported to another hospital, but by the time he reached the second hospital, it was too late and Mr. Porter died. Rather than shut down the newspapers, Mrs. Parham jumped in to save the business. She closed the Dayton office and then called the White House to ask if her other son could be discharged from the army so that he could help her run the Cincinnati Herald. Bill Spillers was sent home. He and his mother ran the Cincinnati Herald until it was purchased by Sesh Communications in 1996. Andrea, what are your thoughts on the passing of uh, Mrs. Parham? Um, it was a shock when she finally passed. I'm, I'm, I, I had a good relationship with her. Um, she gave me my first job. Actually, she gave me my first internship in the news industry. And um, later she hired me full-time for the Herald before I moved on to um, a newspaper in New Jersey in 92. It was just sad because she was a wonderful woman. She was a wonderful role model. Uh, she was a tough businesswoman. She had high standards, but she always believed in being there for the black community and speaking up for the black community as much as possible. And she was a wonderful teacher, um, especially for news about getting it right, getting to the truth and making sure that even if they're not willing to talk to you, you find a way to get the information and never be afraid to ask a question or be the only in the room to ask a question. So. I'm gonna miss her a lot, um, but people should continue to remember her because she was a wonderful role model for women. Indeed. Wade, your thoughts on the passing of Mrs. Parham? Well, it was very sad to see her go. You know, as we get older, we, we understand that it's going to happen, but when it does happen, it's always a sad moment. Uh, I think she was 103 years old. I think she was been very active up until she was around 90. I think she was still playing golf at that time. Uh, she's uh, an icon in the newspaper industry. She's very well thought of uh, all around the country. The, the members of the NNPA, they knew her well. I remember she had got a uh, appointment from Governor Rhodes back in the day 
Uh, so uh, she had a lot of different uh, roles to, uh, to fill. But when you think of the newspaper industry, Marjorie Parham, she's one of those names that stands out amongst others. Uh, so sorry to see her go. Yes, definitely. And our next topic is the conclusion of the Derek Chauvin murder trial. Across America, the Black community experienced a sense of relief and that justice prevailed with the conviction of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin in the murder of George Floyd. The unanimous jury convicted Chauvin of third-degree murder, second-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Blacks in America experienced a range of emotions when the verdict was read, with some shouting for joy, some experiencing disbelief, and many felt an overwhelming sense of relief that justice prevailed in the May 2020 murder of George Floyd. Andrea, your thoughts on this story? It was a shock, disbelief, unbelievable that the Black community for once have experienced justice for, um, an, for, an, for an act that should not have occurred by a police officer. I know when writing our story yesterday uh, for the paper, it was more about what is the next step? Where do we go from here? Yes, we, we got justice for George Floyd, but there are so many others who have not obtained justice for excessive use of force. And those officers have um, either been up, you know, either have been disciplined or, you know, charges were dropped against them or no charges pressed against them. So the work to continue to get an equal balance among between, between police and the black community continues. Because until the day a black person can walk away from a traffic stop the same way a non-white person can walk away from a traffic stop, that's the day when we have equal justice, at least in policing. Not to say that there aren't good police officers, I think there are, but Derek Chauvin as a representation of, I would say police departments have been put on notice that follow the lead of what the Minneapolis Police Department did is not so much put the police department on, on trial, but put the person and their actions on trial. And I think we'll have a better relationship with folks if that is done, because not everyone is gonna work against a police department because we need police. Even down the black community right now, when people ask what do they, what, what they wanna see more in the community, they'll say more police. So it's, 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 you know, it's a continuous working relationship, but one has to work more than, uh, than the other. Yes, definitely. Wade, your thoughts on this story? I'm glad uh, Andrea Carter said what she said because this trial, this verdict was not a, a anti-police verdict or trial. Uh, it, was a, it was a trial about getting justice for, uh, for a person, an individual, uh, the black community as a whole, uh, when it comes to uh, the way uh, we are treated by police officers. I don't see it as justice being served. I don't think we'll have justice in the systems uh, until the police force as a whole nationwide uh, come to an understanding that, that uh, this type of uh, actions is, 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 uh, is criminal and they, that they will actually be charged for their criminal activity. They will be held accountable. And once, uh, as a nation, that feeling, that thought, that that uh, message uh, is received by everyone, then we will have the justice. 
uh, in this case, it's, it's, it's like, I guess Ms. Carter said, this was more like a, a, a journey point. This was, this was just an, an, uh, a uh, first step. And so the uh, justice hasn't been served. It won't be served until we are treated as everyone else. And now our last story of the day, which is about the Columbus police shooting of Makia Bryant. And at the time of the recording of this podcast, this is still a developing story. So there may be new details that emerge later. The fatal police shooting of Makia Bryant, a black teenager seen on video charging at two people with a knife came within minutes of the verdict in George Floyd's killing, causing outrage by some over the continued use of lethal force by Columbus police. Officials with the Columbus Division of Police released footage of the shooting Tuesday night, just hours after it happened, a departure from protocol as the force faces immense scrutiny from the public following a series of recent high profile police killings that have led to clashes. Uh, Andrea, your thoughts on this developing story? I'm still unsure of what happened. I, and I mean, the victim called the police for help and she ended up dead. I'm still unclear of the circumstances of what led from her needing help to her dying. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, sad, I'm saddened by it and but not surprised because the Columbus Police Department has gone through a number of issues over this past year and even this year of where they have had accusations of excessive use of force by police, where people have either ended up injured or dying. I think it was more dying than injured. And I think there is a systemic problem within the Columbus Police Department, because if you keep seeing the same action over and over again with a particular community, you have a problem and it's not getting through to your officers that they are not operating at the best safe manner of that community in policing them. I think it's, it's, it's a shame and something needs to be done because they this is the police department that polices the state capitol. How are we gonna feel safe going to the state capitol when we need to see our representative if we can't even, if they can't even guarantee the safety of the residents? Wade, your thoughts on the story? I haven't seen the video, but I understand she had called the police uh, for protection herself. So I like I said I haven't seen the video. I don't know if she was in the act of stabbing someone at the, at the time, or if she had a knife and she was going after someone, which makes me wonder what did the police say or do? Because from what I'm getting without seeing the video, it's like they immediately came out and uh, saw her with a knife and shot her. One of the questions that arises from this is that what does the governor say with this stand your ground uh, law that was passed recently? Uh, so um, where do we go from here? Yes, it is a very uh, complicated and definitely very tragic situation. So those are the main news stories of the day. And now I want to hand it over to uh, Gisela Fambro, who's going to talk about the upcoming Center for Closing the Health Gap Health Expo. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me again. My name is Kizela Fambro, and I am so excited to serve as the manager of the 17th Annual Health Expo this year. 
The Health Expo is the Health Gaps annual event that brings health access directly to Cincinnati community. This free event allows attendees to take advantage of healthy lifestyle information, healthy food and fitness, as well as enjoy local and national entertainment. Um, due to the pandemic, this year's Health Expo will take place virtually. Um, this event takes place Saturday, that is in two days, April 24th, 2021 from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. This event can be accessed directly in the palm of your hands. The event will feature a main stage that includes fitness demonstrations that are hosted by Denise and Starlight Fitness, along with musical entertainment such as Urban Mystique and Vondell Bachelor. Um, we will also have vendor exhibitor booths, uh, food and fitness, healthy lifestyle, and children's health information. For more information about this virtual event, including how to get registered, who is involved, our amazing partners and sponsors, our stage lineup times and prizes, you can go to www.wemustsaveus.com. Um, and although this event is taking place virtually, the health gap along with the hospital systems have decided to offer vaccine, vaccines to our community. We know with the new variants spreading and cases spiking that vaccination is the best way to protect our communities. So residents 16 and up can participate in these vaccines and walk-ins are read, welcome. You can register at www.wemustsaveus.com. The site is very easy to navigate. Those vaccines will take place this Saturday at 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. at Music Hall. I encourage you and everyone to register, register, register. Register for the virtual event, register for the vaccine, and get your vaccine. And I look forward to seeing you virtually at the Health Expo. That's great. That's wonderful. But I do want to ask you a question about the uh, Health Expo in general. Um, what was the biggest challenge from um, converting it to a virtual event from just a, you know, in-person event? So the biggest challenge is it's never been done before. I think that was the biggest one. It's just getting everything that's offered in person from the live touches of like being able to go and experience a vendor booth and being able to talk to someone, get health screenings um, and just enjoy community. That was the biggest thing of like trying to put that in a virtual space. We've worked with um, Easily Blessed group who were able to bring that type of vision to a virtual platform. So he did the best he could and I think he's done an amazing job. The site where you will experience the expo is very easily able to navigate, but you also have some sense of community that you would have at a normal in-person health expo event. I'm not sure if you've ever attended one, but they are an amazing event filled with a lot of members of our community where we could just come together and be connected. So I think this virtual platform has a little bit of that, but it also is a challenge because we are not in person. Well, that definitely sounds fantastic. And I will make sure to put all of the information down in the, um, in the comment section below so people can check out this great virtual event. And here's hoping we can get that event back to in-person next year. That's why everyone needs to get their vaccines and everything, reach herd immunity. Absolutely, I agree. 
Okay, and coming up next, we are talking to Roy Sutton, the Senior Vice President of Fifth Third Bank. He was on here a couple of weeks ago talking about owning it, and he's here to talk more about owning it. How are you doing today, Royce? I am doing great, John. I'm just excited about being here. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about owning it, which tickets are still on sale, by the way. So make sure you register because you want to get on in on that, especially if you want to know how to own a house because you want to own a house because that is wealth building. And actually, that's what we're talking about today specifically is wealth building. Right, Royce? Absolutely. Uh, there is that's a that's a topic of discussion every single day. Uh, you know how we build wealth. You know how do we find ways to uh, position ourselves uh, where we're stronger and better financially. So let me ask you a question: By owning a house, how do you build wealth? So yeah, let's let's look at it this way. So when you talk about owning a home, actually owning the home, uh, you actually have something real uh, that you are possessing. And the, you can use that investment that you've made uh, to potentially do other things. So let's say you are, you're looking at, uh, you're purchasing a home, you go ahead and you, you purchase that home, but then you need some repairs on that home. The value of that home, you can use the value of that home to then make repairs on the home without having to go and uh, try to find uh, additional income to draw from. You can, you can draw on the income that your home produces out of that. In most cases, a home will actually appreciate in value, which means it goes up in value. Not every situation, but in most cases, it over time, it will appreciate in value. When I buy an automobile, the moment I drive that car off the lot, uh, you're talking about depreciation of anywhere from five uh, to seven percent just when I drive it off the, the lot. And over time, it begins to go down in value. No one sells a car for a higher value later than what it was when they purchased, unless you've got something unique or something like that. Uh, but so for a home, you actually are creating what they call equity or ownership uh, within your own personal balance sheet around uh, where you are financially. So it positions you in, a, in an area of strength. And you can even pass that down to the next generation if you choose to. Uh, and the value behind that uh, home still may, is, is maintained even as you have passed it on uh, to those loved ones or others that you may want to, uh, you want, want to share that gift to. I also want to ask, obviously owning a home is like a lot of responsibility. It's like one of the major milestones of your life. So how can you get the most money out of it? You, you know, when you, when you think about home ownership, uh, you don't just live in the house, you know, over time, there are things that need to be to be done to the house. There, there are things that you want to do to enhance the value uh, of the home. There's things that you want to do to make sure uh, that the home that you have invested in and you are you're you're living in uh, that it still represents uh, a, uh, a a money making opportunity for you. So uh, I try to what I advise people to do is when you're in your home, make your home look like and feel like the way you want to be. So if you want uh, purple walls in every room of your house, great. If you want gold trim on, uh, on, on furnishings, fantastic, if that's what you like. However, <laughs> if you intend to sell that house at some point in time, uh, that's probably not gonna be something 
where the 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 value you, that you're going to get any value out of it. Yeah, personally, yeah, you get the value because it's what you want it and you decorate the way you want it. But the next person may not like that. So what you what you have to do is over time, uh, you have to make adjustments. You have to make uh, improvements. Uh, to the home that ultimately lend value back to the home in case you were in, you, you intend to sell it at some point in time. And the areas where you get the most value out of your investment back in, you, you're going to make some improvements. That's in the kitchens and in your bathrooms. So do you have to have top of the line, high-end appliances throughout your kitchen? No, uh, but you can't have uh, appliances and things that you know are not operational and a, a dated look. So from time to time, you want to put a little money into it. Start making some adjustments. Maybe you want to put a little paint here and there, and and the and 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 pull off maybe the the wallpaper that you may have had uh, in in a, in a room. Uh, because as 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 things change, taste may change. Uh, bathrooms, uh, I mentioned those as another area. Um, when people walk into a home that they're interested in buying, uh, they look at a at a bathroom. They want to make sure that it's one the the, the the fixtures and everything are are up to date. They're they're working, uh, but they also have a nice modern look to them. Uh, so you can do that. Now some people have a little bit more of a historic home, uh, a little bit more of a uh, an older feel. You don't want to get too fancy in a home like that. Then you take away the actual character of the home. I, I used to live in a home that was built in 1920. Absolutely gorgeous home. And fortunately, that the people who lived in the home before we lived in that home didn't go in and rip everything out as some people may do in their homes. They kept the, uh, the, the moldings and many of the trims uh, that were original to that time. And that was really appealing to us because we wanted an older home. We didn't want everything uh, absolutely ultra modern. So when you think about investing in the home, think about the character of the home. Think about the 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 investment that you're making and what you're going to spend it on, and and then what you ultimately want to do. If you want to ultimately put that home on the market, you got to think along the lines of the, the buyback. So you, you want to take care of those things, but also your major systems are important. Your heating and air, uh, you got to make sure those are up to snuff. You know those are those are taken care of. You you've maintained them uh, over the years, and you haven't let things just uh, um, uh, begin to decline. Those are things that are really pretty easy to pick up if you haven't if you haven't uh, you haven't kept those up to up to par. Your electrical systems are 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 working in operational order and and up to code. So those are some things that you can do, uh, John, uh, to uh, preserve the the value of what you've invested in, whether you want to stay there long term or whether your intent is to turn that real estate over and and uh, and and sell it on the marketplace right now is a great time uh, if you are a if you're selling a home um, there's not much on the market and there's a lot of people who want to get in the market so if you you're already in a home you're in a pretty good position but if you're thinking about getting into a home ownership a home ownership situation don't keep delaying uh, do it when do it when you do it when you've spent the time and really thinking about uh, and had conversations with the right people gotcha that sounds pretty good to me well, let me let me add this too. When you also talk about building wealth, yes, uh, using a home, especially for African Americans, this has been the number one wealth builder for African Americans over time. Uh, not investing, not owning a business, but actually home ownership has been that thing that has has been a mainstay. If you can recall back, uh, when you think about 
many African Americans as we had the Great Migration. We actually owned farms, we owned property. We gave those up when we moved up north. And many of those farms that we left, wow, the value on those things, we lost out on that value. Now, we, if we came uh, and we began to buy property up north, you're probably in a pretty good position. So that value that you build into your own legacy and in your family can start with home ownership. And once you start there, then there's other things that you can do uh, to build wealth, uh, to, to solidify what you're doing. But uh, home ownership is, is that path uh, that will help to solidify in many ways your generation and potentially other generations to come. That's good to hear because, you know, as a fellow millennial, I feel like my generation is like really jaded because I hear people say all the time, oh, I can't afford a home. You know, it's like, I, you know, it's like, I don't have enough money. It's just like, I barely have enough money to pay rent and everything. In fact, let me ask you, what would you say to a millennial who says, ah, I can't, none this economy, I can't afford a home, that sort of thing. What would you tell them? I would tell them that they are uh, wasting valuable time thinking too long and too much. <laughs> and, and when you look at the numbers, look at the numbers, and that's what I do, you know, I'm a banker. Um, it's actually cheaper to own a home than it is to rent. Uh, you're at the whim of your landlord each year when they decide to you know, increase the rent. They didn't ask you whether you got a, you got a pay increase, did they? Did they ask you whether you, you had a another you had other plans for that money? No, they just tell you uh, we're increasing your rent by twenty five dollars. We're increasing your rent by fifty dollars. Whatever the, the the increase is, you have to absorb that and make that change. Whereas a when you're a homeowner, for the most part, your monthly mortgage, your payment stays relatively stable. Uh, it's relatively the same. So if you think about maybe the pinch that it may be for you to meet that mortgage in the early years. As you move on and you start earning more money, you're in a better situation, that mortgage becomes even easier for you to absorb month after month to the extent where uh, you, you may find, you know what, I think I'm going to try to pay this thing off early because uh, I'm in a better financial situation. You can't get in a better financial situation that benefits you if you're a renter. It, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, the, the other part of, of, of comparing the cost uh, to renting versus home ownership. So when you think about renting, you actually are making the landlord's mortgage payment with every rent check that you write. So you're making someone's mortgage, actually. You're paying someone's mortgage when you, when you actually rent. Whereas when you are a homeowner, you're taking that, that payment and you are paying yourself. You're building equity into that home. So when you bought it, you had, say, a 20% stake in that home and every payment that you make, you're moving higher and higher and higher up the scale around uh, the, the amount of ownership that you have uh, in your property. There is nothing like sitting in your own home with your family, celebrating uh, and having a good time. Uh, there's nothing like sitting in your home and knowing that you decorated it the way that you wanted it or your piece of property that you have on that street uh, means every time you pull up, you're like, that's mine. I own that. I put money into that. And the, the, the pride in ownership, uh, th there is nothing that can replace that. So for the millennial who is thinking about, yeah, maybe I should wait. I'm not ready. 
you're never ever going to be a position where you are perfectly ready for anything. I bought, bought my first home. I was 27 years old. Wow. Um, which uh, I, I probably could have done something a little earlier, but I just wasn't, you know, had wasn't really there. I've uh, been married for four years. We were thinking about starting a family and all that. I didn't want, you know, my kids screaming and hollering in an apartment. I, I, I didn't want to have to carry diaper bags and uh, strollers and things upstairs in an apartment. I wanted to, I wanted to raise my family uh, in a home. And the first home that we bought, it was not the greatest. It was not the best. In fact, when we bought the home, it had broken windows. We had all kinds of issues in that house. But what we did, that home actually brought us closer together as a couple because we, we worked on pulling up the carpet and painting a room and talking about how we want to decorate certain things or how we want to get rid of certain areas, uh, certain things in the house that we no longer wanted. And so, so it's those kind of conversations that you then begin to build as you are developing uh, this, this piece of real estate that you have painstakingly uh, sacrificed to actually, actually uh, invest in. So when you think about investing, it's not just the property. Uh, but you're also investing in yourself and in your future. You're actually banking on yourself and saying, you know what, I can do this. I I've got enough assurance in my own capabilities that uh, I'm going to do something uh, that then puts more money back in my pocket. That's really what it comes down to. Okay, well, that was Roy Sutton, everyone. And I want to thank him for all the information he provided about owning it. And this whole show, it was a fascinating discussion all around. I want to thank all of my guests for coming in today. So thank you, um, Kizela, for the information about the Health Expo. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing everyone virtually on Saturday. And thank you, Andrea, and thank you, Wade, for your commentary on this week's stories. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Fantastic program. And everyone, make sure to register for Owning It, the free home ownership webinar, which will take place this Saturday, April 24th. It's hosted by Roy Sutton, Senior Vice President of Fifth Third Bank. Just search Owning It 2021 on Eventbrite, and you can also find the link to it on all of our social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And if you like the stories that we talked about today, make sure you check them out on our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreen, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and at select service stations. And you can follow us on our social media channels. Just follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on YouTube, just search for The Herald TV. And you can also follow us on our TikTok channel, just search for The Cincinnati Herald. And also, we are now on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Cincinnati Herald Podcast on each of those podcast apps. And remember to get vaccinated because in the state of Ohio, well, in fact, like in the whole United States, anyone over the age of 16 is now eligible to get a vaccination shot. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald, and have a good day.